So, Luke, I had no idea you were a member of the alt-right. <laughs> you, what did that video say? Was the guy saying that Wall Street Bets is a member of the alt-right? No, he loves Wall Street Bets, and he's trying to defend them against the Financial Times and other Wall Street allies that are coming after them with everything I cannot can. believe that people... Okay, so for a little bit of... Okay, so we've all heard about the stonks. I, I, I cannot believe <laughs> that this is happening. So I, I need you to provide a little bit of a backstory. I need to provide a bit of a backstory. So you're all aware of what's going on within um, the financial world because it's everywhere right now with uh, this subreddit, Wall Street Bets, and the stonks, and the to the moon, and YOLO, um, and how... Th- Everything. So, for people who don't know, um, I'm going to do my best to. Ex- 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 I watched. I watched a video on it that I think did a really good job. So oh, let do, me regurgitate. Yeah, dude, it. please, please, please. There's this. There's this Sikh guy named Jaspreet Singh who does a uh, YouTube channel called The Minority Report. It's great uh, financial thing. But essentially, it's this: a hedge fund uh, is betting on. Uh, they're shorting a stock because they believe that stock will go down in value. So instead of buying the stock, they borrow the stock, short the value, and hope to um, sell the stock or acquire the stock yeah. at a lower rate, which actually makes them more money. But what happens is – but it is a bet, and you use the word bet on purpose. What happens is if they short a stock and they borrow it without buying it and the stock actually goes up in value and it could potentially have an infinite amount of up it could go, whereas going down, it could only go to zero – uh, eventually, the brokerage firms will call those companies on their borrowing and force them to pay. And if that stock goes up, it starts to increase basically exponentially their costs. So this one particular hedge fund, uh, they shorted GameStop and this group called Wall Street Bets Woo! on Reddit began that no. Lucas followed for the last two years, uh, started pooling their money, and it became this funny thing that became a big thing that became a huge avalanche of individuals spending five, ten, twenty thousand dollars of their own money on acquiring GameStop stock, which made it go through the roof. So it went from like seventeen dollars that was shorted to like ten dollars and instead at the end of yesterday it was trading for almost four hundred dollars a share and so these people these people lost like two or three billion dollars these wall street this one particular wall street head fund and they had to get bailed out by their fellows and now is beginning the huge coordinated multi-billion dollar smear campaign this is insane so I've been involved, so you guys all know that I like to use the Reddits, and about two years ago, gosh, I don't even remember, it may even be longer that I, that I lurked, I think I joined around two years ago, and, okay, so here's what Wall Street Bets is, it's a, it's a, it um, is a subreddit of people that understand that, hey, there's a lot of risk in trading options, but the upside is very high, and if you go all in, and if you're smart about it, some cool stuff could could happen. But the thing about Wall Street bets that you need to understand is it the f- it's funny. That's half. I mean, the point is to is to make money, but to do it in a really unconventional way, and to not just understand the risk because there are substantial risk. I mean, 
it's to embrace it. So you, so people on Wall Street bets for you know the past two years or so that I have been on there, you can only post screenshots, and they typically use the Robinhood app of how your options, how your options, um, options on the stocks are um, doing. If the amount that you um, lose or you gain is in the tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands. And the losses are celebrated even more than like people really like the wins, but we're all kind of like expecting the wins to happen because there's a because it's um, if you're really involved with it, it's it's not I don't want to say like obvious as in it is easy money because that's that that is not the case. But it's here's the risk, but here's how you do it. And over time, if you get good at this, you can do this. But the risk is insane, and they celebrate that risk, which is a way to, like, and it's incredible. I mean, so, again, these people who are saying this group doesn't understand the risk, I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? There are rules about how much you can post with regards to your losses. The higher, the better. Like, I have seen people who have lost a million dollars overnight on there. And they're like, oh, you idiot. Hell yeah, this is how we roll. Like, it's, it's insane. <laughs> and um, the – I've had a – YOLO. Yeah, I, yeah, I can't I, – I, like, I cannot believe these words because it was – like, there are things on Reddit. This is going to sound weird, but everyone has those three or four – people who are on Reddit have their three or four um, – Three or four uh, subreddits that they go to, which is basically a part of Reddit about a specific um, topic created completely by the users of Reddit that they don't tell anyone about because it's like it's just kind of hard to explain. And now for some people, I'm sure those are the really dirty things that are on there, and you don't even, I don't even want to know the half of it. But for like people like me, it's things like male fashion advice, Wall Street bets, old school cool, old school respectable. Like like there are just like these funny little things. Uh, um, idiots, I'm driving in cars. That if I have to explain to Aaron, she's like middle-aged men body painting, you know, all that good stuff. No, it's it's. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's. I mean, I'm in the U.S. I'm soccer one. I'm in the Liverpool. You know, I give all of your normal ones. But there's these weird, like any niche thing. You were in the Catholic one for like eight seconds, and then yeah, then I cursed out all the moderators and told them to go f themselves, and it was great. Um, that's real YOLO, baby. And um, <laughs> I mean. I'm betting on Luke. <laughs> and, like, and so in Wall Street bets, it was so like, – at first I was like, what is this? And I, it took me a while to really understand. I really just enjoyed all of the crazy memes that were in there. And then for a while I went, wait, so like, what are they doing? And then I started to understand, and I went, oh, this is kind of cool. And around the springtime, I started telling Aaron, I'm like, hey, so I'm in this thing. I kind of want to learn how to trade, like trade options, but I'm going to take a long time just to look at it and understand. And I did. And I was like, you know what? This is not a smart move for me right now because we're paying off debt. But uh, you know, in a bit, I wouldn't mind just taking a small five to ten thousand dollars and just playing around with it, just seeing like and like being okay with that risk of I because I mean, there is like one part of the risk is you can actually end up owing more than what you spent, which is real dangerous. But uh, and and that's a risk that everyone takes on there that you're you know well aware of. It's been funny because I have had a front row seat to all of this, and no one knew about it till this week because I would didn't know how. I mean, I, I I would explain it to Aaron, and we would have this joke in our house, which this is kind of kind of a crude thing. But anytime anyone has an idea or a thing that everyone thought was like I'm a very exciting, they would say tits up <laughs> or to the moon, yeah. meaning like we're going up. And um, I would tell Aaron that, and we would always say it as a joke about – because so, like, 
what I did was I took about uh, probably about twenty dollars, and I would use the I would, I would use the strategies that I learned there, and also people's like here's what I think this where where this company could go, and I tripled my money. I got up to about a hundred dollars at about twenty to thirty dollars of actual investments. And again, this is just me having fun with it, just seeing how it went. I was like, oh, I get this now. Like, this is kind of cool. And then I remember them always talking about GME to the moon and how they were all – and, like, sometimes they'll have these fake – like, not fake companies, but, like, a thing that they're acting like, hey, this is, like, a dumb idea, but I'm all in. And they'll make jokes about it being a dumb idea, but acting like this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> and so I thought that's what the GME thing was until a couple of months ago. I was like, holy shit, this is real. Well, that's kind of awesome. And then all of a sudden, in one week, this guy who has been the main guy behind it, his whole strategy was, I see a lot of value in this. He in mid two thousand nineteen he invests using only on fifty three thousand dollars because their whole thing is to that like work as much as you can and then just like if if you have to um, if you have to start to um, live off of half of your income get five to ten thousand as fast as you can and then start to YOLO which is buy options and all this stuff and um, this guy has started at fifty three thousand dollars and it's now worth fifty million wow. It's crazy, and everyone's been talking about it, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I know all these people and all of these terms, and I've, like, it's, it's, it's the wildest thing I've ever been able to experience firsthand. <laughs> Front road, Joe. I love it. Pretty much, and, and this is why, so going off your point, people who are saying that these guys don't know what they're doing, that they are alt-right, or they or whatever, is completely wrong. Politics is not allowed at all. You get banned immediately if you're on the right or on the left. There are zero politics. It's actually one of the nice, one of the, I think one of the reasons why I think I really liked going there. What is one of the few places on this earth that I could go and not have a political chat at all? Yeah. It's just about stonks or socks, if you will. Like that's it. That's it. That's it. And that and hilarious memes. Um, where does stonks come from? I saw that uh, Elon Musk tweeted yeah, game Yeah, it's how stonks. we would talk about, like, oh, like, this thing's awesome. It's a stonk. Like, this is a great stock. Uh, it's so like, funny because he wrote game stonks, and within, like, it was, like, something, with, like, within 30 minutes, the amount of people that were buying the stock doubled because he wrote that. It's Yeah, and it's um, <clears throat> it's truly wild to see because they're doing what hedge funds do. They're just people yeah. who are – there's average – I mean, quite um, literally, these are um, teachers. These are, you know, um, guys who work at um, construction sites. And these are guys who, you know, a lot of them might have a finance um, might have a finance um, background. A-, a lot of them don't. There's something that they have um, picked up and they have learned and they've seen through apps like Robinhood. Oh, we can get involved in this. And they're yeah. acting like hedge funds. And they're right. This is the thing. There's some smart people in there and they're right. And they're sharing it with everyone. They're not trying to hoard the wealth. They're trying to say, Here's, here is what I'm doing. What do you think? And they do it through hilarious memes and witty posts <laughs> post on the titles. And um, it's crazy to see this subculture in the span of a week become the predominant cultural narrative. Yeah, it's fun. It's and fun. There's another thing, too. I can't believe this. Sorry, I'm, I'm just blabbing on. I, I, I'm, this is uniting the country in a way that I have n- I never expected. <laughs> um, I don't know her name because I, I, she annoys the heck out of me because, you know, she has a lot of evil stances. But uh, AOC, or whatever her name is. Yeah, AOC and Ted Cruz and are Shapiro, joining together. Donald Trump Jr. <laughs> all on the same page about this. Like, yes, this is wrong. Because, like, so basically what apps like Robin Hood did today, I think they were somewhat forced by the 
SEC is they banned being able to trade any of the stocks being pumped up yeah. on Wall Street bets, which is wrong. And this is unethical and wrong because they're trying to protect these hedge funds. And it's like what? this is the point of this is this is capitalism. This is the good part of capitalism, which is empowering the um, people who to, with an opportunity to yep. like. Engage in capital. This is the whole point. This is the whole, this is why yep. our country works. Is like when when capitalism is done well and ethically, it can be a really cool thing. It can be, not always, but it, it can be. And this is an example of it being really, really great and These hilarious. People, oh my gosh! Like everyone is just so excited for the stock to hit four four hundred twenty dollars and sixty nine cents. <laughs> like if that happens, <laughs> they will lose their mind. <laughs> I love America. It's yeah, it's 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 just crazy that you have these hedge fund millionaires. And I would love to hear from, if there is a hedge fund alone millionaire who listens. Patreon.com slash CF. Patreon.com slash CF. You've got a lot of enjoyment out of this uh, out of this podcast. I'm sure it's time to give back. Um, if there is if there is another side to this that's not being reported, I, I would like to hear from you about that. Like 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 honestly, but I can't see why they're scared of this other than. People other than them having power and access and being right. Yeah, about. that's the thing that I think there's is that like these like and, and like here's the thing like I tr- I um tripled my money not out of luck but there is a system and there is a way to see okay this is like I worked the system a little bit I was I was I'm paying attention and like the, if if I could explain their ethos in one thing it is that you buy the rumors sell the news. Yeah, and. That's what it is. It's people just saying, here's why I think GameStop or GameStop or whatever is going to go up over, like over time. And I just I never in a million years would have seen this coming. Last last thing. Anyone who says that this is an alt-right group or it's or it um puts out alt-right ideas, like you they're wrong. I've spent more time on this on that um subreddit than probably half of our listeners. Like, you're wrong. You're completely wrong. So that's it. <laughs> so hey katie i hope you're happy i just talked about stonks hey luke real quick when you get on wall street bets for the first time how do you prove that you're alt-right so they'll let you in <laughs> <laughs> i just told them where i went to school <laughs> and they're like oh 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 no you're an integralist be gone <laughs> yeah be know, gone. exactly exactly Hey everyone, let me take a couple minutes to tell you about stereo. Fans tell us all the time how they yell and scream in their cars, at their phones, when me and Luke make a crazy comment while listening to the show, and they hope that we can somehow hear them through the ether. Well, guess what? Now we can. Luke and me, every Sunday night, live at 9 central p.m., are going to be on the stereo app for a Catching Foxes after party. The Stereo app lets you talk with us directly. You get to ask your questions, yell at us, make funny comments, all within the Stereo app. This is not a pre-recorded show. This is not scripted content. It's a live conversation because Stereo is the live social conversation app. You want to head over to Stereo.com slash Gomer, get the Stereo app, set up your account, and follow us. Every time we launch a live show, you will get notified. I'll put all the links in the show notes for you. This is the coolest thing. Stereo has thousands of live conversations. So you, once you set up your account, you get to maybe be a co-host with one of us. You get to chime in on the conversation with your questions or comments live, and everyone can hear it who's listening. Or 
you can simply listen and enjoy the after party like the beautiful brooding wallflower that you are. We've been doing this with our Patreon supporters as a test run, and man, oh man, has it been fun. Here's a funny story. So I was late for the very first live show that we did. Thank you, Parish Council Meeting. And so Luke had to substitute someone for me as his co-host, and he got the best person ever his mom, Patty. Everyone loved her. So at the end of this show, I'll snag on a little clip from their time together. It's hilarious. Again, join us live every Sunday night at 9 Central for a Catching Foxes after party on the Stereo app. Go to Stereo.com slash Gomer, and in that app, which is dead simple and a lot of fun, you will get notified every time one of us goes live. It's great. It's awesome. Thank you, Stereo, for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. Oh, man, Luke, uh, so today me and Luke were talking, and we were near despair, and uh, we had not recorded the show, so Luke said the greatest words uh, in a text message to me, hey, should we just do 10-minute topics? And I said, hell yeah. So and- I knew I would know instinctually when Luke submitted the, t- <laughs> the post for 10-minute topics. Why? Because I got 98 emails within the span of two and a half hours. <laughs> we have 84 it was comments. So and it's, I, only, I posted this. And, I mean, to be honest, this isn't um, late for us, but this is the early part of late for us. Yeah. I posted this at 4 o'clock today, and we started recording at 10.15, and we just have 84 of these. So we're obviously not going to get through 84 10-minute topics, or will we? <laughs> well luke we already want a hit tight half hour <laughs> yeah it's funny because uh pj herrera says did gomer invest in gamestop and abby is like yes i want to hear thoughts on this story you know what sucks i almost inv- i almost did the gamestop thing a while i mean this, this is with my measly 20 bucks but this is funny because i'm the fire guy they think i'm gonna do individual stocks Fire is not individual stocks. Fire is index funds that are boring as hell. No, and Luke is your individual stock. Totally. No, this is why I'm, I'm not with not their option, but yeah, it's uh, right, right, right. This is like it's um, I, I just like it's not a it's not a <laughs> safe way to invest, but it's our way and it's fun as hell. Yeah, it's it's gambling. That's why you talk about bets, short vol, it's informed, it's. You know, all this stuff, but it's still, like, you don't know what the market's going to do. Yeah. You don't know this what a bunch of... Uh... As close as I... I love the line from... Gosh, Josh, now we're talking about this again. I'm just so... I get so I've been on a high for five days about this. Um, That's so awesome. When they... What's that film? It was okay, but it's about the Pentagon on paper. Steven Spielberg directed it. It was with Tom Hanks. And Bob Odenkirk has this line where he says, I've always wanted to be part of a, part of a revolution. For whatever reason, that really spoke spoke to me and this has felt like my revolution yeah and all i did was make like 80 bucks (laughs) (laughs) oh that's so funny the revolution won't be televised but it will be memed stonks yolo like people will say i put i've taken my entire life savings and i put it into this thing yolo and it's everyone's like applauding them (laughs) (laughs) And like Luke, I think you absolutely should invest. Be a part of it, man. I if I was single, 
I probably already would have. How much do you have to pay? Well, to really so to do options, you have to do one of two things through the ball, and this could change after all of this. I hope it doesn't. But you either have to have a lot of trading um, history or be or at least five to ten thousand dollars because it is a s- substantial risk and they won't give you the ability to trade options unless you show I have the capital to start doing this and I'm willing to take these risks and I'm not just a crazy I'm maniac. Um, which, I would love it if GameStop became like beat Apple in just stock price value. <laughs> that would be so. Funny. Well, here's the thing too. The, and like, there's a reason why they chose GameStop. This wasn't just like. Like, and that's the thing that I think people tend 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 to miss is that like these guys they they like they they have, I mean people have tried. To, you can tell there are posts on there where people have been coming from either hedge funds or like other um companies and have tried to post fake things because you can tell by the tone it's like you're not you're not one of us. Nope. All right, sorry. I'm I'm trying. I get so excited about this. Mm. Mm. You ready? I'm ready. Okay, let's go. Um. Books on being a Catholic dad. Su- uh, suggestions for a guy I'm looking forward to welcome his little one, Sue. Congratulations, PJ. PJ. Yeah. PJ. It was a PJ. Thank you, Bollywood. Um, books on being a Catholic dad. Uh, I would say, first and foremost, you need to navigate the world of birthing in your first year. So get what to expect when you're expecting Agreed. and what to expect the first year. Those were two excellent books. And you don't have to read the whole book. You just read whatever month you're in or going to or whatever. That was great. If you have a boy or a girl, focus on the family. It has like a Raising Boys, Raising Girls um, books from a dad's perspective that were that were okay for me who had never read anything about it or ever thought about, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to be a priest. I'm actually going to be a dad. I need to know stuff. Um, for me as a father, I would say uh, The War Against Boys by Christina Hoff Sommers and um, – Hold on to your kids by these two psycholo- uh, psychologists. Uh, those are those were pretty formative books for me for um, not necessarily newborn but toddler and older. Those uh, those really gripped me more than anything else. Um, I've really been enjoying. Uh, oh gosh, I forget the name of the book. I, I haven't read it in a bit, but it's a, like parenting the French way. Oh, I think it's called I'm a raising babe. I really like that. Uh, about how it's kind of just compares the French style of parenting to the American style and says, hey, I think the French have something here that's, that's actually kind of working. Uh, Bringing up Bebe. Yeah, I really enjoyed what American, that. Okay, what, what is that? It's, it's basically the, the idea is that uh, the French expect more of, their, of more of their kids in terms of how they behave, and the kids are able to undeliver. And they give, it's, it's, so the idea is, I'm, try, I'm trying to remember, it's been a while since I've read it. I do need to go back to it. Um, because I could tell that it was a little bit more, probably better for, uh, hmm. like, everything we're doing within the first year kind of fits what they recommend. So I, I was going to go back to it. But um, part of it is, like, you know, why do French people take their kids out to restaurants and their kids are fine? Uh, why? Oh, yeah, I see and that. It, okay. it's, it was, uh, this is from an, an, an American that was an au pair out in France. And she was like, whoa, this is like, they bring their kids everywhere and the the idea is that they don't make the kids the center of of their world but the kids are at everything yeah so which is what you have talked about how kids really it's actually good for them to not always be with their friends but to be around their parents with 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 other adults so they yeah. see how adults behave 
Yeah. I mean, kids learn. The reason why – I find it so fascinating. When children – when uh, humans separated from our ape ancestors, right, it's funny that apes and, and chimpanzees and all that kind of classification, they never advanced, right? They're just there. They've never changed. They haven't produced anything. They have no culture. What happened with us? And one of the most amazing stories I ever heard is you can teach a gorilla how to take a bunch of rings from one pole and put it on another pole and to sort it. And if you teach them wrong, like the, a, a worse way to do it, the gorilla can actually figure out the correct way to do it or a faster way or more efficient way or whatever. But if you teach a baby or like a toddler how, the toddler won't try to figure out the better way. It just keeps imitating over and over again. And they said it's funny because the gorilla's intelligence peaked at that moment. But the child, by watching the parents, especially the mother, but both parents, by watching human intellect is extremely, what do they call it, mimetic? It's extremely imitation-based. So the more they take in of adult interactions and, and interactions with them, that's, you know, they produce sounds, they see all that stuff. It is so fascinating that um, because of imitation, our ability to rational, to, to understand the world around us exponentially increases beyond the gorilla. Like the gorilla might have a starting, starting out the gate win, but so all the stuff with that is, is so important and powerful. Um, another book that I for, totally forgot, um, you, you, it doesn't need to be a book, but I recommend the happiest baby on the block and the five S's. You can just YouTube it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, agree. Highly, I definitely agree with that. So I, I had a buddy who had a colicky baby and the doctor recommended it and he watched it and he's like, this is like, this is gold for new parents. Happiest baby on the block in the five S's. It's good stuff. Good stuff. All right, Luke, next topic. Uh, can, I, can I just add one more thing? And I may, it's just, yes, sir. Uh, we do not add anything to this because it's going to be a whole other um, tangent. And I may have talked about uh, talked about this in the past. The people that your kids see, it matters. And when you take them away from their grandparents, extended family, if you have a dad, who, dad who, who leaves, you've cut the amount of kids, the amount of adults that kid has access to in half. Mm. And so that's why that's important. Like yeah. to just so, anyways. Okay. The horrible progression of hangovers in your thirties. Yeah. Um, listen, it gets worse. Um, like <laughs> this implies that we're like all about I'm um, drinking and getting hor- 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 horribly drunk. I'm not saying that we're not about that, but we are an art. <laughs> but but um, uh, it, it does like it just it it does start to change. So if you have a night where you're going out with friends, and, and again I'm talking about if you're, in a, you're going to drink a lot but not make any dumb um, choices or anything like that. So you only you can know where that line is for you. Um, uh, it just like it takes a whole day in your 30s, even if you don't really drink that much. So just be aware of that. It's, it's funny. I'll I'll say this. It's more expensive because you don't cheap out like you did in your twenties. No, you sure don't. I <laughs> I have spent hundreds of dollars on it. It's, it's funny that we were just talking about in our WhatsApp group with our college buddies. Uh, one of our buddy brought up how Elon Musk and us had the same business principle of charging people through our little dorm party or whatever. And he said, "Do you remember when Yingling was like premium beer to us?" And I was like, gosh, yes. I mean, I, I love Yingling still, but it's so funny yeah. that uh, yeah. how your taste changed and you're like, ah, my gosh, is that a hard seltzer? Then no, thank you. I don't trust a <laughs> cocktail that costs oh, less than $10. Oh, gosh. Uh, Luke, what are your hopes for 2021? 
I'm hoping just that, honestly, this is going to sound crazy. Uh, besides all of the normal real stuff yeah. that, you know, we that our kids are healthy, that our families are healthy and all that stuff, and that everyone is safe and this all ends soon. Dear God, please let the... Uh, Please let the Olympics and World Cup qualifying happen. Please, 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 please. Especially the U.S. Um, the U.S. men's national team needs to have a team at the Olympics this year. It it is it is paramount that they have a team there because if not, we could be in a world of trouble in a, a couple of years. Oh man, what I'm most looking forward to in 2021 is I have a goal of uh, losing. Losing, I think my goal is going to be forty pounds, four zero. Woo! Oh, that's that, my goal. I should add and grad school as well. I'm very excited for grad school. Oh yeah, that's right. That's this summer, right? I just, yeah, I just had a meeting about that tonight. It was fantastic. I'm so pumped. It's going to be a. Man. I, there, I'm. There's no way we're going to. I'm going to be able to record. So we're going to have to talk about how we're going to handle that. <laughs> Yikes! I also would like uh, maybe to go independent in 2021 with the podcasting. What do you mean by that? I mean, have this be my full-time job. Woo! Yeah, that's what I would love to do. Woo! I really, I'm really leaning into the medium, and I want more. Daddy's hungry, and he wants more. Gimme, gimme, gimme. What does that mean for me? What about your Luke? No, I mean, I guess you're okay. Hey, guys, it is Luke here, and I am here today to tell you once again about BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, BetterHelp. Is there something that is getting in your way with your own personal happiness or is preventing you from trying to achieve your goals? Listen, 2021 is a lot like 2020. Everyone's having a hard time right now, and that is okay. Help is out there. You can find help right now. With BetterHelp, they can actually get you a match with your own professional licensed therapist within a 48 hours. They are not a crisis line. It is not a self-help thing. It is professional counseling done up securely online. And we have Catching Foxes on the listeners from all over the country, even Canada. Anyone, anywhere in the world can get help through BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com. Here is the deal. Once you just start, I'm living a happier life today. But I'm going to tell you that it actually really does work. I know some people who've gotten some great help, pun intended, from BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This podcast is, is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Catching Foxes um, listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash foxes. Catching Foxes listeners get 10% off, off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash foxes. Practical Catholic, oh, <laughs> hooray. Uh, practical Catholic approach to interacting with trans, with transgender, non-binary individuals. Pronouns, new names, they, them. Mm. Oh, this got a lot of um, likes. I think this is a the thing likes. It's, it's on. And I, okay, I want to start um, talking to people who might not have agree with the church's stance on these things. Um, my sisters. Um the this is a thing that weighs heavy on a lot of Catholics' hearts, yeah. And even if they might take a stance of it that is a, that is the um, some might view as antagonistic to the culture, very few people do so with like happiness or or glee, yeah. Because it's uh, these are real people in their lives. These are their family members. These are their friends. These are people. That, so it's this is really, 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 really tough. So, <laughs> um, that said, let's, let's try to tap it, and get in ten minutes. I do think um, I'm of the hey, let's meet them halfway here with this. So, new name, okay, sure. 
Um, pronouns, I don't know, man. I'd have a hard time with that because it's just like this isn't – it's just – it gets down to the heart, the heart of the matter, which is um, our brains don't determine or our psychology don't determine everything about us. And um, they, them, I have a really hard time with they, them because it doesn't make any sense. Um, and I just think, I, I think, um, I'm not opposed to some, like, uh, I'm not opposed to be the wrong word. Um, okay. It's going to be a little bit weird. The non-binary issue. Um, I do not doubt that certain people feel a certain way or have a certain attraction, interest, however you want to put that. Um, I do think a non-binary approach to the world in in general, not as it relates to um, uh, things like gender, is actually not a bad thing to try to wrestle with because we are way more complex than what I think the world says that we are. But that's kind of half the problem. It's just like, um, I don't know. It's it's tough. I don't. I'm. It is tough. I'm, I'm digging tough. a hole with that one. I just finished um, Cynical Theories, uh, a book on um, understanding how race, gender. And sex took over everything in academia and in culture. And uh, it was fascinating because I walked in on my men's group and um, we were, I had just finished, I was almost done with the book. So I brought it up and we were all, the whole rest of the conversation, we were just talking about that. And, uh, you know, it was funny, one of our uh, Mexican buddies in the group was just sharing his experience growing up in a Texas town as a Mexican American next to, first-generation Mexicans and, you know, regular, you know, like, white Americans or whatever and what it was like in their culture and all that stuff. It was uh, fascinating to hear what small-town Texas was like, and it wasn't really what you would think it was, um, kind of stereotypically. But uh, so I think the problem with transgenderism is the negation and all – uh, critical theory approaches is that it negates the biological substrata completely. It is not that there is because uh, there are people who are legitimately born with messed up chromosomes on a biological level, right? They have um, uh, uh, what do they call it? A dangling X chromosome. They have like all of these different, honestly legit intersex positions that affect them. And uh, a parent said. Oh my God, they have both sexual organs, you know, cut off the penis, which I think they said it seems to be easier medically. And then turns out they've been raising this little girl, uh, this little boy as a little girl, and then, you know, never feels right. There is true body dysmorphia. And, you know, there is body dysmorphia beyond gender dysmorphia that I think people don't understand. That there are people who try to become amputees because they have an image of themselves with only one arm. And there comes a point, and people say, oh, that's ridiculous. It's like, it's not ridiculous. It's the exact same thing. It, it just that it involves sex and sexual attraction, all that stuff. So it changes the game. But it is still a fundamental disconnect between body and mind. And why should the body suffer? Why don't we treat the mind? And so you begin to hear this, and you begin to see this, and you begin to find out that, like, when real science actually is allowed, and it's almost never allowed to investigate this stuff, you find that the ideology does not actually account for what happens on the other side of surgeries and puberty blockers and augmentation, that people are genuinely really hurt. So that's one of the issues, and you can't separate it from the pronoun issue because the issue with pronouns is 
you're using word games to tell lies. Now, if I'm meeting an adult and it's it's it, and I'm meeting an adult at at work or, you know, in some scenario, I'm not going to be a jerk. I'm not going to go out of my way and try to offend them or hurt their feelings, especially if our we have casual interactions. But to to shame people for like I remember on the news being like uh, they actually said they, uh, you know, these men would not date a trans woman who happened to be born a man. Like, how dare, how big in it is that? And I'm like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't because for me, dating is ordered to marriage, is ordered to family. And that is not at all what they view. They want to disrupt the theory side of it, wants to disrupt the very notion of the family. And the church stands and falls as the civilization. So there are elements of it where you just can't. Push it that far away. Yeah, I and agree. my problem I is our culture doesn't do moral reasoning. What our culture does is it has an emotional appeal that then you make arguments kind of from that appeal. Well, who are you so to say? I'm, I'm gonna. I'm going to yeah. interrupt you really quick. It's not that I don't agree, but like, so what? Like, I, 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 I get that, and I'm like, I'm with you, but like, no one's going to change their mind based upon what you just said. What do you mean? Like, no one who is listening is going to change their mind because of the words that just came out of your mouth about this. Okay. Like, I'm not saying that you're, I'm not saying that you shouldn't say it. I'm not saying, but it's just like, I feel like, I, I think we need a different approach besides, but can't you see why, why, um, why um, this is wrong? Because most people can't. Right, right. You know, and so now that's not to say that by, if you were to, bring this up it couldn't be part of like a bigger piece where they start to understand why the church says what they say so i'm not trying to say don't 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 say it either but i, I feel like what you're doing and this isn't this isn't against you i'm not saying that you're bad or you're wrong or anything it's just it's the common catholic response which is to just always point towards why we think of oh, this is wrong and that is valuable but it's only going to get you so far and i don't know if the answer is we just go okay and that's just how it is or if we try, I, I I don't know what to do. Like I like that's so. This is why I'm interrupting you because I'm saying that's great. So then, what do we do? What if your right, work and part of you? it though? Yeah, but, uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Like if and I already said that. Like if you're at work and they require you to put your pronouns and you put your pronouns in, you also have to real like I, I struggle with the pronoun part too because that is the the problem is with the theory. The yes. problem is yeah. actually yes. how it's coming down the pipeline because they say this. There is inherent racism in your corporation simply because you're white or that you benefit in any way from white supremacy. And you say, well, I'm not a ra- I've never done an act of racism. Just being alive, you get the benefits. So therefore, you're guilty. Now, shut up and listen. Okay, I listen. Wow, I learned a lot. I feel like I've changed. I feel like I did have unaddressed prejudices. I want to change. No, you are a bigot. And then like it, it takes it to the point where there is no resolution. Yes. And yes, it takes it to that point yes, yep. from the very beginning. Because they're they are playing a game. Now, and I don't mean the individual transgender person, because often the individual transgender person is like, shit, just leave me alone. No, I don't want to yeah, deal with you any of this. You're talking about the, like, the culture yeah. inertia behind all this. Yeah, and, and that that is exactly it. the cultural inertia. Why one year no nurse ever would have given a kid thought it would be a good thing to stop a little boy from going through puberty. One year later, 
it has if it is calling doctors bigots if they take uh you know they what do you call it where you conscientious objection yeah. where they're like nope I'm not going to yeah. see any trans I'm not going to give any puberty blockers I I do right? think this is where sorry I, I'm not I yeah no, cut me, no. I, I think this is where we have to draw a line in the sand and just say I'm not going to do this. And if it means I get fired, if it means that I lose, like this is where the family loss and the abandon your mother and your father part, I think, comes yeah. in. And I, I, I don't know what I don't know what else to do because I think screaming to the rooftops, right. even though I, I you're, you're right, and like there's a time and a place for that. I don't know what else to do besides saying I'm sorry, but I can't do this. And if it means you lose your job, like yep. this is this is the martyrdom that we've all been kind of worried about. Yep. And yep, yep, I yep. don't know what else to do besides embrace it. I, I mean, I, which sucks. It sucks. Yeah. It sucks. Like <laughs> I've already like I I've, I've dealt with this on a couple on a couple of on levels and it's hard. It sucks and it's really really hard. And I I don't know um I'm terrified to talk with some of my family members about what I think about this. You know, and I, and it's not that they're bad people. It's not that I think that they. It's just like I don't. It's a can of worms that I'm like, oh, I don't want to take this to. I know what is the logical, con, the logical conclusion, which that is push. You know, push came to shove, and it's like Luke, you either support this or you're out of our life. It's like then I'm out. Like I don't. I it sucks. It sucks. It sucks. It absolutely yeah. sucks. I don't know what to do. I don't know. I don't. I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm getting. Yep. This is like my biggest fear. This is my by far my. This is. I'm. I am yeah. right there with you, because you see that there's no there's no escape. Like, if you actually study the people that are involved in it, it collapses in on them. You just got to wait like two or three years, and then it'll collapse on them too. And it's it's like a self eating snake. But the problem is they're coming for us first. That's what is so potent behind it all. If you resist, your resistance is evidence of your fragility. And you're and you're like, well, um actually, you know, all I mean that that's the thing is I want to revert to kind of like the science of it. Like it actually doesn't have positive health outcomes when you self-mutilate or you take puberty blockers. It doesn't help because yeah. the problem is not just with the body. It's deeper. It's deeper. But it's it's a part of a culture that you can't even say that. Well, and so. just like when I went to that um, presentation out, it was in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. Gosh, maybe like three years ago now. They were they did a whole they did a great uh, presentation on this, and they were surprised at the amount of amount of people that came from all over the country to go to it because it was like I don't know how to respond. I don't like. I think for a lot of people, it was it really it wasn't just I don't know how to respond. It was I don't even know what to think about this. Like, what does the church have to say? And to hear it from a plastic surgeon standpoint about how it feels like it violates their version of the Hippocratic Oath to balance um, form and function and and all these other things, and to hear kind of just like the background to this, I was like, holy crap, holy crap, holy crap. And you can and I know there is, and it's not to deny that from a psychological standpoint. I'm going, I'm going, I'm around in circles. It's not that people are denying that people actually think this. Or that they're yeah. experiencing this as it's just right. that, um, as like the church teaches what the church um, teaches, and there is a reason for that. The church doesn't; it's not right because the church um, teaches it. The church um, teaches it because it's right. And if it was, if it was right, the church wouldn't be teaching this. And 
there's nothing else to do, I think, but to bear the martyrdom that goes along with this. And I, again, I don't think that that means that you have to like. I, I think it's. You want to call someone by like a new name? I, I think that that is fine. Um, the pronouns ones is kind of for me. That's my line. Like any place that would expect me to do that or um, to refer to them in a way that I'm like, this is a lie. I can't do that. I I don't know. I, I, I just it sucks because I think the answer again, sorry, I'm going in a circle so now. So I'll just end with it that yes, I think it's good to go back uh, go back to to the science to talk about it, but I don't think it's going to um, it's going to change anything right now. I think what will will be witness and saying no. Like I will quit my job. I will lose. I will lose my friends over this. I will, you know, lose relationships because I cannot. I have to dwell in reality. Yeah. Ugh. It is. Ugh. I'm. I'm. I'm glad to hear that. It's like your biggest fear too. Oh, a hundred percent. Because there's no way out. There's no way out of it. Yeah. Right. It's. It's. Yeah. It's funny. It's a binary decision. Either you support us a hundred percent in all the things, or you don't. And it's like, well, I, can I not just love you and treat you as an individual? No, you have to ratify everything or else you don't. And you're like, this seems illiberal. But, uh, okay, Luke, I got the next question. If tomorrow you found out that the United States was officially canceled, what country would you move your family to? Latvia. <laughs> Luke, that was the best answer ever. Well played, good sir. Well played. I would probably go to Costa Rica. Ooh, I Miguel. Uh, it's beautiful. Uh, if I have any more children, they are. You get an EU passport because it's a former Spanish colony. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I would probably go to Austria. Maybe Poland. Nice. Like somewhere more in Eastern Europe that's more traditionally. Catholic or has a little bit of that still going on. Not that there's a ton of it out in Austria, but yeah. maybe Poland. Although I think Poland would be hard because like there are words we that we quite literally can't say. Just because our mouths aren't formed, we don't have the muscles to say some of the words in in some of the letters and um, words in their um, language. So, but Poland felt like the most religion positive country we were in in Europe. When I was in Austria at that time, like not in terms of the history, but like the culture of the place. Yeah. Although I won't ever forget one of my favorite one of my favorite images of Europe was this uh, pro-choice group that was doing a huge on the demos that doing a huge um, protest outside of a Catholic church with a huge inflatable own penis, and this is kind of awesome because they did have a microphone to people come up and to like say. This is like this is what I think, and I will never forget this like image of this dude had to be in his early fifties, who was like smoking a cigarette and who was clearly very angry at all the pro-choice people, and I was like, I really hope you're a conservative, I'm Catholic, because this isn't this is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What was your favorite theology class you ever took, and why? Yeah, I love the comments underneath it. Did you see that? What was your favorite theology teacher, and why? Yeah. No, and then Jose said, and why was it Scott Hahn? <laughs> Scott? <laughs> Kimberly? Kimberly? Scott? Scott? <laughs> <laughs> no, my favorite theology class, uh, honestly, was, shoot, I'm going to have to say text of Hanser's von Balthasar. It was a graduate-level class. Son of a bitch, I wish I'd known who he was then. <laughs> I know, and it took me from 
you know, pre-Vatican II to JP2's papacy in this broad sweep of the people that kind of went in, the trends of thought and things happening in the 18 and 1900s that informed the von Balthasar family, especially Hans Urs himself. It was biographical, but that was minimal. We mostly just wrestled with, we did the the prehistory, but it was mostly intellectual stuff, Eric Prisvara and other people like that. I loved it. It was intoxicating to study one thinker from beginning to end. I could see that, yeah. Yeah. I had something similar in this thing called Thomistic Traditions and Philosophy taught by the now president, I, I think. Or the soon-to-be president, now president. Oh, crap. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that out loud. But uh, Dr. Samford, who taught a Franciscan, and I had all of his classes that he offered. I loved him. I thought he was great. Um, He taught Thomistic traditions and philosophy. Day one, he goes, this is supposed to be about the history of Thomistic thought after Thomas Aquinas and, like, the different people that carried on kind of his pursuits. But uh, I don't think our philosophy department does an adequate job giving you actually Thomas Aquinas. So this is going to be what the heck did St. Thomas actually teach? And, and it was why awesome. Is the project collapsing now. <laughs> yeah. And he said, uh, and it was awesome because we went through a ton of the Muslim philosophers oh, that cool. informed Aquinas and the Jewish Rabbi Maimonides, yeah. you know, and Avicenna Veri. So that was cool. Maimonides Yahoo. <laughs> I, to be honest, I, I, I guess I would say Christian marriage, but I didn't really enjoy. It was fine, but I enjoyed it as much as it was hyped up to be. And I thought that Dr. Ashley was fine. I just, um, it just for whatever reason didn't. Um, I just, I don't know. I just wasn't all as into it as I think you were. You were. I skipped a lot when I found it boring to go do laundry and to drink. Um, I was like, okay, I but get who was your favorite teacher? Let's not say theology. Let's just say teacher. Oh, who was your teacher, teacher? Uh, probably Fitz. Was it Fitzgerald or Fitzpatrick? I forget his name. Um, I just liked. Um, actually, no. I mean, he was close. This is tough. This is yeah, really, is. really tough. I have th- I've thought more about my high school teachers um, recently because I'm just back and hearing more about them. So, in college professors, let me think. Give me just a second. My mine uh, Scott Hahn was awesome. When you sat in on a class with Scott Hahn, you felt like you were at the best Protestant sermon you've ever heard, right? Where he's walking you through a text and then applying it to your life and tangents and politics and morality and church history. You know, it was it felt like a sermon. It felt like the best sermon you've ever heard three days a week. It honestly That's did. cool. It, oh, yeah, like that. It, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, but you still got, I mean, like, good Lord, a ton of um, of academic stuff. Like, he was never light on the academic stuff. But in terms of challenging, um, yeah, you know, Dr. It's funny because I love Dr. Han and Dr. Minto, and they kind of like are rivals at Franciscan. Yeah. Uh, apparently. We all know it, but no one talks about it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> there are stories that I want to tell, but we can't, so I'm not. I know, I know. One day! But no, they're... Um, they were both incredible, and they were pretty different, and I loved them. Minto made me do more work. Uh, I think Dr. Han made it apply more to my life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I my fa- Oh, gosh. There, there's a lot of classes that I really enjoyed. My favorite um, – okay, there are two. I don't remember their names. Uh, the I, lo- I truly loved the history of American – Diplomacy class. I think if I had taken that class at a, um, a different school w- with the same teacher, that would have been my major. Yeah. 
I fell in love with it when I studied that. Like, truly, I was like, oh, I want to work for the CIA or do something like, like this. This is incredible. And I was only able to study it at kind of a um, surface level. So um, I, true, I, I never would have thought that I would have loved diplomacy as much as I did. And I think that was, his name was either Fitzgerald or Fitzpatrick. I, gosh, I don't remember. We will call him Fitzy. Yeah, so it was um, Fitz. Uh, I really liked Fitz. And then I took a, <laughs> uh, 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 took a comparative of a Shakespeare class with the English teacher guy who used to dress up as um, Baron von Steuben. I loved it. I loved. I loved him, and I loved um, Shakespeare. I forgot about that, and I skipped like the last three weeks, and I just wrote my paper, and somehow I passed with a B. And I was like, "This shouldn't be possible," but it just happened. Oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? I'm sure it'll all work out, and it didn't. <laughs> this is this is a funny one. This one hits close to home. Also, how to deal with a next-door neighbor who has broken up with you and won't let their kids play with your kids and accuse your seven-year-old son of lying about kicking a ball into a door, asking for a friend. Oh, geez. Man, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Exact same thing happened to me. The people who live behind me, very nice. I have no problem with them. Our kids hate each other. They're little <laughs> – like four years ago, when my old – when my uh, youngest son – it wasn't four years ago. It was probably two years ago. He was three – Standing by the fence, the little girl on the other side threw dirt into Thomas, uh, and it went through the fence and hit him in the eye. How mad so he would you grabbed be if dirt. you saw that? Huh? How mad would you be if you saw that happen? I'd be so uh, no, I wouldn't be. I, no, I wouldn't be mad at all because they're kids. Kids are dumb. That's probably true. Okay. I'm and she was, she was like the same age, maybe even younger. So then Thomas grabs dirt and throws it at the fence, and it gets onto her right when her mom is walking outside. So mom loses her damn mind. But the girl that was with her, I think it was like her cousin, was like, as they were walking into the house, now my kids were outside, and they were like, stop it, blah, blah. And it became like the little girl started shouting, and that's when the mom came out. She didn't see Thomas do it, but she was shouting. The, uh, the girl next to her was like, no, uh, no, auntie, it was, it, was, uh, it was Sophia did it all. She did it all. It was her fault. And she's like, no, you're done with them. And so, like, every time a ball goes over, it, like, it's like two or three weeks before we get it back. And we have posted stamp backyards. So I just try to be nice to the guy whenever I see the dad. He's a nice guy, Raul. We've repaired some fence posts together, but it is like, it's like we do not address our children <laughs> when we have to interact. It's bizarre. Oh, I can't wait f- for that. Uh this is for Luke, but U.S. men's national team. Wait, 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 wait. What? Wait. I'm trying to break up with a kid across the street. I just remembered. I can't stand <laughs> him. Go. I can't stand him. I go, like his go, sister, go, go. but I think this kid's just such a punk. He does not know how to take social cues. He also, meaning like with a parent, like an adult. He doesn't know how to interact with adults. He knows how to interact with kids. And uh, and he's mean to my Thomas. He's just mean uh, sometimes. Yeah. He's not like a bully. I think he's actually a nerd who feels strong around little kids because he doesn't around his peers. Mm. So I give him wiggle room, but I really can't stand him. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. I, uh, man, my biggest fear is that, is that Everly will be a nerd or like, I'm a scared that she'll be a nerd or like a too good of an athlete where it's like, son of a bitch. It's going to be your entire life. Isn't it? Yeah, oh, like, man, like, you're on like, a traveling <laughs> team. Damn it. Yeah. I, I honestly, I probably would be like, Look, um, just do well academically and get some scholarships. Like, we're not going to pay for all of this. We'll do some of this. But, like, just this, this isn't – I just – this we're not going to revolve our whole lives around you unless you can go pro. 
<laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. No kidding. So. All right. Uh, this is from Luke, but U.S. Men's um, National Team. Thoughts on current roster? Any worries? Yes, I'm worried that Christian Pulisic is injury prone. I'm very excited that we're now at a point where in the past, you know, in the last world, basically in the past um, six years, there's only been one player who's gone out to Europe to to get better and secure their spot on the national team, that being DeAndre Yedlin. Now it is a thing that people like Jordan Morris and Paul and uh, Paul Areola have to do if they want to maintain their spot on the team. I think that is fantastic. I'm feeling very, very good about it. Next question. Uh, I, I don't know what you would think about this one. Uh, would uh, Tyler asked, it would be interesting to hear your thoughts on the prosperity gospel word of faith movement. Why is it problematic? How can we have a fruitful discussion about the Catholic faith with believers in this movement? What Do you know anything about prosperity gospel stuff? A bit, a bit. I did have to spend two hours behind Joel Olstein's family uh, at a Michael W. Smith concert with um, Father David Hust. So I feel like I was close <laughs> enough to it to be like, oh, this is repulsive. Except for Michael W. That. Smith. He was amazing. Um, he was He was so humble and awesome. Um, he really is in concerts. He really he's is. He's wonderful. I was so – I was beyond impressed with him. Like You're just, like – I bet you you walked in there with such a chip on your shoulder ready to make fun of him and no, trash I do, him. I have, boomer soft, I have a soft spot for oh, Michael W. Smith. <laughs> Go West, young men. That's all I remember. <laughs> I, I, when I first got a um, CD player, two, I got the Ace of Bass album. Same. DC Talk, um, <laughs> Free at Last, which I still just adore. And um, Michael W. Smith, I think, is like the first 10 years or something like that. This is how clueless my parents were. I had Ace of Base and Rump Shaker by Rex in Effect. <laughs> hey, Michael, what does this mean? What's a rump? <laughs> What's a rump? It's that it's terrible rump. food you make, turd. You shut your mouth. You shut your... I'll, I'll cut you Philly style. <laughs> I got these brass knuckles and I'm just dying to use them. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to get them spit polished with your face, if you know what I mean. Have you seen um, the 10-minute rant that Bill Burr did to the city of Philadelphia back in 2006? Yes. I have watched it's interviews about it. Absolutely incredible. It is awesome. Absolutely incredible. Um, you got to... You gotta... You got a statue of a fake boxer. That's how racist you are. You got one of the greatest boxers in the history of the sport, and you put up a white guy from the movie Rocky. And Seven he's like minutes. your favorite. <laughs> yeah, he just oh, yeah, he calls it out. They're booing him. He goes, no, I'm not leaving. So basically, to anyone who really um, doesn't know, they were doing a big show out there in 2006. This was before like, Bill Burr was Bill, was Bill Burr, and the crowd just decided to boo everyone because they were all um, drunk and nuts. And so Bill Burr um, gets on stage, and they just start to boo him for no reason, and he loses his mind and goes into a 15-minute tirade against the city of, of Philadelphia. He goes, no, I'm not leaving. You have to listen to this. And his, <laughs> I mean, truly, I wish, one of the greatest things I've ever seen a stand-up do. Yeah. So if you want to hear it, Cue it up on YouTube, get your kids, turn the volume up, and listen to it with your children in the room. Be like, kids, you're about to go into um, junior high. These are words you need to at least hear first here. I'd rather you hear it from me. Or yeah, so what, prosperity gospel, what do you think about that? I mean, I think it's evil. Um, yeah. This is the tough part when you get into things like that. You just start to talk in circles, and it's like, oh, there's no point here. Um I think if you they want to engage, I won't engage on with it. I think it's fine, but 
don't get too deep into the conversation because it's for the most part probably not going to go anywhere and say here's what I think, but uh, I'm not going to get too too deep. I guess you could probably ask more things than what you are telling them. With these things, I just trust the power of witness. Yeah, why is it problematic? It's problematic because it denies the the centrality of suffering in the gospel and for discipleship. Yeah. It invalidates everything Luke was talking about earlier about martyrdom. It literally renders that stuff incoherent because all you have to say, do is say it and uh, believe it and God will give it to you and that's it. And, I mean, the, uh, the letter to James says you have not because you ask not. And when you ask, it's to waste on your passions. Like, they literally believe – like, yeah, it's, it's so frustrating. I had a guy in the Word of Faith movement who refused to marry uh, a woman in the Catholic Church because he would use the vows – uh, for richer, for poorer, for sickness and his health, for better, for worse. And he thought that by speaking these words in the name of Jesus, he was calling down sickness into himself. And I'm like, no, you're pledging whether it's good or bad, you'll be faithful. Like, wake up. And he's like, I don't even want to say those words. Yeah, that's nuts. And I don't think it it's is. necessarily wrong to ask the Lord to, like, bless your business or to be a part of what you're doing or say, Lord, why don't you be a part of my finances? And, I like, this is what I want, but if it's not your will, please, I'm taking it. You know, I don't think it's bad to want God to bless your life with wealth as as so much as it um, – because, like, it is a blessing from God. It is a gift from God. And I think it's okay to be like, God, I really want this. But if it's not what you want from me, please take the desire away. And it's because it's all about like, like, what if you're like, God, I really want to be able to make money so I can do good things so I can, you know, um, have my kids go to school and maybe end the cycle of poverty in my family. You know, like those are those aren't bad things. Nope. And to be able to use my wealth to, you know, for your church, for you or for, you know, whoever. Um, it just uh, it's yeah, it's tough. It's it's I, I think, honestly, it's just your. um the power of your witness. I, I really do believe that after a while you have to stop the arguments that just go in circles. Or if you see it, just it's yeah. not going to go anywhere. I have experienced this in my own life. Trust in like, listen, we tend – I'm going to quote my old friend. I'm going to see a sub Lewis here. We have, we have trained man to think as a person who the – oh, gosh, how, I forgot how he put it. Basically, the idea is that you're, you're like the, – the, um, the future is – is going to come, time moves on regardless of anything. So you're going to get there eventually. Time wears everything down. Time is tick-tock, ticking, tick-tock. I'm going to tick it away to quote the good um, Toby Mac. So. <laughs> All right, I got one. Yeah, that I sent to you in the chat. Is this one we can do? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just going through them all like one by one in, in order. Okay. How can we as Catholics practice and promote Healthy and holy leisure. I've got it. And what does good leisure look like in a world where the temptation is to binge watch Netflix during all my free time? My biggest regret when I binged Breaking Bad was I binged it. Yeah. I would have loved to have watched an episode and just let it sit with me for a, for a bit. So I think having certain rules, and we've, we've actually started to do that with certain things that we watch. I go, no, I, I want to stop this. I want to think about this. Maybe, you know, I'm only going to watch X amount of uh, TV a night and just understand that there are tons of other things to do besides watching television. Tons. Mm -hmm. It's it's a thing to do, and it's an okay thing to do with in moderation. I think you need to treat TV like you do alcohol. I really, really do. Yeah, yeah, I agree 100%. 
Um, for me, leisure. Uh, I'm a big fan of Cal Newport and his his podcast, Deep Questions. I think, and he often talks about this subject of leisure and, and as the biggest problem, kind of facing American the American middle class right now, isn't you know this that or the other. It's we don't know what to do with leisure time, so we do more work or we casually check social media or or work emails or whatever it might be. And his whole thing is like, no, go master a craft, go learn a skill, go do something that uh, in particular involves your your movement, your hands, um, like woodworking and stuff like that. The thing that I loved about woodworking that drew me to it was like when I was finished with this thing that is somewhat supposed to having right angles, a thing is in the world that I did. Mm-hmm. Like a thing exists in the world. And it's shocking to me how little... Uh, after years and years of work, so little is real and tangible at the end of it. And, you know, me and Shannon talk about this all the time, and I'm sure I've said this on the show, but, like, you can spend all day doing some intangible thing and then go home and clean your house and feel more accomplished yes. cleaning your house yep. than you do. It's because it's a, t- a measurable task that's done and done well. Um, poetry. I think writing poetry, uh, T.S. Eliot called it superior amusement. Mm-hmm. Like, it's great. To do that, to memorize poems, I think the next poem I'm going to memorize is the uh, the song, uh, the Misty Mountain song from uh, The Hobbit that the dwarves sing. I'm, I'm I'm really trying to get into the whole lore of Lord of the Rings for my kids because I want them to understand hero narratives and epic and stuff like that. Yeah. And so uh, I want to memorize that with my girls, with my my oldest daughters, and I think that is lost art. Memorize memorize uh, the five, six, and seven chapters of Matthew. The Sermon on the Mount. There it is. Yeah. Um, I would yeah. add, like, one thing that I've been doing um, with Everly that I've really enjoyed is, so, you know, she has a half hour anytime that she's up of interactive time, and I try to play for her every day Beethoven's Fifth. Nice. And we just sit there, and we just um, listen to the whole thing. And she can actually, like, there are some times where it goes over not, not so well, and there are other times where... You know, she can only listen to the first half, and she's kind of done. And there are other times when it, you get to the quiet parts, then she's out. But then when it gets up loud again, she's totally in. And it's kind of nice just to listen to, like, a long piece of music. And so I really want to get back to now, Not every album is a thing that's meant to be um, listened to as a whole, but this is what um, Kevin Hyder does. And I really yeah. um, like his ideas. He'll just sit with a whole album, and he'll put on his, his headphones, and he will listen to the whole thing. And he won't um, listen to it until he has a chance to do that. And I think um, really diving into it, like these things, like I, I like in trying to unpack a thing and viewing it as a cohesive whole and being okay with not understanding it and not being um, good at it, I think is, I, 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 I think it's cool. I think it's really cool. Uh, you get to be any uh, superheroes, uh, any superheroes sidekick. What um, superhero do you pick? What are your powers as his or her sidekick? The answer is obvious. It is Batman, and uh, you can just like do everything that Batman can can do. I guess you, I would just be Robin, just be able to yeah. kick ass and take <laughs> take names and wear tight tights and short shorts. So you'd be like 1950s Robin or 60s Robin, like with the really short shorts. Oh, totally, totally. I want to be like, wait, why? No, I just think it'd be cool. Wow, so you could pick any superhero, and you'd want to be a 12-year-old living with a single man brooding uh, who's a billionaire but doesn't 
do anything fun with the money other than become a superhero. Okay, so that is fun. Yeah, uh, but you don't I'm have any sorry. powers. You're in a mansion. You have powers. You're you're freaking Robin. You're with Batman. It's awesome. You don't have any powers. What am I gonna do with? Listen, I'm. It's Batman. You're hanging out with Batman every, every night. I'm sorry. This is amazing. I get to see a Batman movie every night. And guess what? I'm involved, and it's a new story every night. <laughs> hey, uh, Batman, what do you want to do tonight? <sighs> First, I'm going to take dinner in my study. <laughs> then I'm going to cry over the death of my mother. Hey, Batman, it's, don't mind me. I'm calling you on my wing of this huge house. Um <laughs> Can we go and fight some people and there's no way I'm going to die because you're Batman? Sounds good. I know that Robin dies. I'm just saying this is like a theoretical. <laughs> yeah, but just the Jason Todd one, not yeah. the Dick Grayson. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. No, I, no one liked him. Yeah, no, no one no. liked him. God, who would I be? Who has a sidekick anymore? Like, none of the, all the sidekicks go, uh, they go solo. Like, that's like the theme, right? Yeah. Can't have, can't have community anymore. It doesn't make, doesn't make any sense. Wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> you know who's. Who are you? His ward? Yeah. <laughs> I would be Superman sidekick Jimmy Olsen, best pal. Jimmy Olsen, best pal. Jimmy Olsen. Jimmy Olsen takes uh, like takes pictures yep. and tries to flirt with girls, and nothing happens. And falls off buildings and gets caught by the man he loves. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's that's true. Um, In the arms of an angel. angel. <laughs> Practical ways to develop Catholic community without being insular. Um, only hang out with new converts to Catholicism because yeah, other than that, that's it's actually, that's, you're not wrong, but not the weird ones, uh, which is like half of them. Um, I think one is uh, you just um, you have to be proactive and just invite people over to do fun, normal stuff, have a dinner party, go out drinking, little things like like that. I think one thing that's really important is you have to be willing to get uncomfortable. And going to things where you don't necessarily know anyone, and or uh, and you have you just have to, you know, if if you're searching for community and you're not uncomfortable at least twice a week, you're not searching for community. Yeah, I I um I don't know how to prevent the insular insularity without cultivating individuals who are extroverts and maybe have a charism of evangelization. And I say that because so often uh, friend groups, I mean, just by being friends, you don't want, you have a set of experiences that make you friends. So adding new people is often very difficult. So typically what I do when I want to grow my friend group, like when I, I feel the need of like, you know, I meet someone at the parish who doesn't have any friends or the husband and wife are in a difficult spot. I try to invite them to a a group happening, right? So if it's the husband and wife and they have kids, I'll invite them. I'll invite several families to my house and then invite the new guy. Um, if it's just the dude, then you know maybe uh, if I get coffee or whatever with them or beers or something like that, then I'll invite them to like, hey, a bunch of guys are getting together and we're doing X, Y, and Z. That's the only ways that that I've learned how to do it. But I will say this, um, Matt, who wrote that. You you really do have to put it all on you, especially if you're a young adult, because so many young adults, they desperately need it, but they don't want to put the, forth the effort. And we found this with our community groups for young adults. They excelled. They excelled. They were incredible. Everyone loved them until the original host said, okay, who's going to take it over next week? 
uh, or you know where can we meet for the next series and then mm-hmm. everything just stopped it all died because no one wanted to deal with people in their apartment or their house and so you just say i'm gonna own it i'm gonna do it i'm gonna um adore ministries uh in houston here is launching a family dinner project i absolutely you go check it out look at it um but you you have to be the one to do it I sent it to you. How do you deal with anxiety? It's been something I've been experiencing for the first time this past month, and I'm not sure how to deal with it. Okay, uh, two things. One is if it's kind of a brand new thing, it might not actually be a thing you need to go see. Um, see, um, with a, uh, like go. S- we obviously encourage people to uh, go to theory at betterhelp.com slash foxes. That's betterhelp.com slash foxes. One, I, I really believe in the power of working out. So eating well, getting sleep, drink water, work out. Put, live above the snake line. Do all the things that you should be doing to put yourself in a good spot. That can be hard some, some, sometimes. And that's not the answer. That's, I, I say, like, this is your first step. Just kind of see if there's this, yeah. is there a thing that I need to do to take care of myself that I need to do more of. That could be dealing oh, with your money, issues with um, friends or something. You know, like, like, and then if you start to think, hey, this, I'm doing these things, but it's not going away. Like a lot of people I know who really – deal with anxiety, um, then I think it's time to go to counseling. Yeah. You know, because ultimately uh, a bunch of anxiety I've seen can come down to a desire for control, but that desire comes from some type of, I don't want to say mental imbalance, but your brain is um, doing a thing that it either um, is doing because it can't do another thing or there's like a thing a thing um, that is wrong and counseling and meds can actually really help with that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be afraid of the counseling and the meds. Don't be afraid yeah, of that. Absolutely. Um, but I like what Luke said. Start, start with the physical, start with the body, start with, um, you know, like, do I have relationship issues that I'm refusing to address? Do I have big things out there? Um, you know, I, and don't be afraid to be a little weird about it too. When it comes to this stuff, like, um, at the very minimum, just go take some walks, some long walks. Get out of the house if you've been confined indoors. Um, the physical movement and being outdoors has been shown to decrease um, anxiety because you're slowing down your body. More than, like, if you go for a run, uh, that can actually increase it because you're causing stress to your body. But long walks, especially in the evenings and the mornings, can help. And other things with anxiety, you know, uh, if this is a new thing, then chances are it's not a wiring issue, for lack of a better term. You know, I'm slowly discovering more and more terms dealing with my precious daughter and the hell week we've had this week. Oh, hell week. I'm sorry. It has been awesome. Also I'm found sorry. out my daughter can't my daughter can't metabolize medicine. So the medicine Ugh. side of things is not going Gosh. to be an option for us. Oh, that's fun. But uh, so it's all environmental for us. It's all like, okay, how's your diet? Okay, we got all the like literally when we walked in, the, they had a panel, a whole medical team that reviewed her. You know, you have a psychologist, psychiatrist, um, a nurse practitioner who runs very specific tests. And they're all like, okay, well, the first thing we tell parents is get red food dye and other food dyes out of there. And we're like, yeah, we did that like two years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. Because we find the kids because of all the sugary drinks and the candy. And I was like, no, 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 we did that. And it helped a ton. A ton, but it's like all these other interventions, and we've already been doing all the stuff, all the non-medical stuff that we could do. We're trying to do our best, and we've been doing. So um, if you want to be weird, check out Wim Hof. I love it, Luke. I love it. 
Gormley's feeling another uh, oh, YouTube uh, religion all coming right. on. All right. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, you have, you, I'm not kidding. You have 15 seconds. What is it? Yeah, cold, cold therapy and deep breathing exercises. Okay, that and makes it, sense. It radically calms you down. Okay, cold therapy. Uh, if you do cold showers, though, and if you have um, blood pressure issues, not always the best thing, but right. because of strokes. Um, yeah. I would add, if you haven't heard of the idea of HALT, uh, I think that actually really helps. Are you hungry? Are you angry? Are y- y- you lonely? Or are you tired? Um, that can lead to anxiety with some people. Not all, but HALT. I found that that has helped a lot as well. I don't necessarily deal with anxiety. I, I have it in some forms, but not like there are other people in, um, in my life where I could say that meds have made all the difference in the world. Jordan Peterson and Douglas Murray talked about how quick quick the left is to accuse the American right as being on the brinks of fascism, while the right accuses the American left on being on the brink of communism. Is there a validity to the fears from both sides, or do we just like villainizing those we disagree with? Don't want to talk politics? Then instead, talk, how about this? If you could, um, if you could um, live a groundhog type day for one year, which day in your <laughs> life would you have it be? Oh, I, I mean, I do. I, you constantly hear that in the in the um, in the narratives of the uh, pundits and stuff like blah 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 communism, blah 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 fascism. I mean, like it, it is so ridiculous how much of a trope that is. But that being said, like I, I think what we need to be is always sensitive to the warning signs because totalitarianism on the left or on the right is always a net loss for humanity. So I think uh, I think the best things the American right and the American left can do is make sure neither side goes in those directions. Yeah, that's actually a good point. It's actually a really good point because there's I used to I think the word on fascism has been tossed around so much that it's it's kind of like missionary discipleship. I'm like I don't know what you even mean by that. Yeah, because it, it just has lost a lot of its meaning because it was said so much over the past f- uh, four years. And but and there was a great thing that I was because I was like arguing this isn't on, this isn't on fascism at first in, in the sense of I was thinking more of Nazism, not because of the socialist stuff, but because of, that's just in the name of the Nazi party, but just because of other things. And I was pointing to some articles, but I think it was Sergio who did. And then I was like, okay, this actually kind of makes some sense as to why some people would be concerned about this. So I was a little bit more open to this idea of like, hey, we need, do we need to be careful about big business being in bed with big government? That can lead to some weird um, uh, 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 fascist things. And so um, I think you're right, like allowing people to kind of say, hey, this is not good. Um, I am concerned about the appeal of communism that I think is yeah. starting, like, and just of like cultural, um, cultural Marxism. We're just not as familiar with what Stalin did or what communist or like what Mao yeah. did out in China. What Mao did, um, the brainwashed Chinese people who didn't go, who didn't actually go through any of that, they seem to be like, oh, he's great. And the people who did are like, oh, this was horrible. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, they, it's uh, now know, the it's... Chinese Communist Party now lets you make fun of Chairman Mao. Oh, they do? Yeah, you are now allowed to because, you know, that was the previous regime. That's not us. It's like Khrushchev with Stalin. Khrushchev's the one that leaked almost all the stuff that Stalin did after after he took power because Stalin was such a psychopath, right? And, oh, you know, yeah. Stal- Stalin was one of those people that would watch the world burn, but Khrushchev wasn't. 
he, Khrushchev killed tons of his own people too, but yeah. he wasn't one of those people that's like, yeah, I will launch all the nukes just to get you first, even though I know I'm going to die. Like, but Stalin was. Stalin would have, yeah. Yeah. No. But the, the, my problem is, um, I, I don't think people understand what fascism is. Um, and you don't have what you just said. You don't have the, uh, like, the alt right is such a, like, a non existent part of American politics in so many ways, but it's, it is a, darling topic of the media because it's so crazy mm-hmm. sensational mm-hmm. um but like you don't see a ton of adolf hitler high school uh, you know uh, college kids walking around with hitler and mussolini on their shirts but you do see the che Guevara's, and you do see the lenins you still see lenin it's weird I mean, come it's on weird. it's yeah it's i i don't think people really understand some yeah. do and that actually kind of scares me what these yeah. people did to get power and I think what history has shown is what communism has to do to be effective um, or to be effective. It's not a, to, to be itself. It, it, I mean, it's even what some of what Karl Marx says, and this is why some people say I am a Marxist as opposed to a communist. I can understand that to a point because even Marx and I haven't read all the communists on manifesto. So I tried, I tried, it was so freaking boring but uh, i really tried um there is this thing of it's going has to be taken by violence yeah and like when that's your starting point where does it, it like there's a reason why this has gone to to i mean what the chinese have done to people what's what the russians have done to people up until very 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 recently is horrific absolutely i mean i i i hate to say worse than hitler but I mean, they're actually in the running compared to your like internet people that you don't like. They're actually in the running for being worse than Hitler. Like they give, yeah. they put up a good fight. Yeah, the Gulag Archipelago, which was written by um, Solzhenitsyn, right? It was one of the principal things that took down communism, literally, because it details uh, real stories of people who were sent to the Gulags. But one of his main literary points throughout the whole book it will condense now into one book but it used to be three um is his whole point is this is not an exception quit saying things like well this is just russian version of communism yeah, or yeah. socialism it, yeah and he's yeah. like let me show you and his he goes painstakingly to show this is the inherent principle being manifest and it will only be this way quit saying we'll have a messianic figure who will execute it perfectly no he will just execute people so yeah. there's no other way yeah. for it to work. Um, Groundhog Day, Luke. One day, one day for one year. Okay, what so would it be? Here, are my I'm going to give you two answers, which is a Luke Carey way. One is is um, <laughs> my wedding day because that was awesome. Nice. And then my horribly selfish one is the day my Austria class went to Salzburg. That was just so much fun. <laughs> so much fun. Just, just top of that. Just the best. The absolute best. It's so funny because one of the questions is, it's been a week and I've already forgotten why Franciscan was so great. Can you tell me again? Oh, because of uh, Austria and because because households are great because God is alive there. It's wonderful. <laughs> Speaking of that, can we talk about who's going to be on the show next next week? No, not yet. Not yet. Let me answer the question that okay. we can because right. my one day is next week. No, my one day is uh, <laughs> when me and Shannon in January of Ugh, 2020 went to New York City. Oh, you did a FaceTime me, so that was fine. Yeah, <laughs> that day, just that phone call. I the just phone call, it. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. It was fun. Uh, hey, who's going to be on the show next next week? 
Oh, Professor Bob Rice <laughs> and Father Dave Pavanka. Hey, with my birthday buddy. Just a day Your after birthday our birthday. Buddy. Yeah. We're going to have Father Dave from their podcast. Uh, I forget what it's called. Dare They Hope or something like that? or Something. Something yeah. boring. <laughs> I forget. Uh, I'm so excited. I know we're going to have to be very, very clean, but I actually want to have a I, – I adore both of those men. So I am- Oh, Luke, I forgot to tell you the plot twist with them. What? Uh, they want to record video. They want it to be video recorded <laughs> and then have it be for their podcast too, I think. Totally. Can we – Can I? damn it, I need an Andy G hoodie. I don't – it's too tight. Oh, I got to find mine, weight. yes. Oh, I need to find – I need a person in the area who has an Andy G shirt that's very big. Well, you do live in Ohio. It's true. Um, it's round on the outside and high in the middle. Oh, yeah, it's true. Uh, okay. Uh, this one's long. We're doing good. I, doing can good. this be the last one? No, 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 no. We got to do all of them. No, I'm just kidding. There's no, no way. There's no <laughs> I, I way. literally panicked because I know you would. I You're had a believer. Such, oh, my gosh. I can't believe how long this is. All right. Um, let's do one from Darby because she's had some really great stuff over the past two weeks. Uh, I've been um, I've been reading rereading C.S. Emma Lewis's stuff, Screw Tape Bladers, Mirror Christianity's the, the Great Divorce, Till We Have Faces, and I'd be interested to hear when, if at all, y'all first read them, how they impacted you, what and what you generally um, generally uh, generally um, generally thought. I think his way of writing um, um makes it all seem like common sense. I would agree. His use his use of analogy and um and um frank language can meet a broad or broad audience and be very um, very unmemorable. If not, then I'm always I'm generally delighted to hear y'all talk about any books. Really, <laughs> someone's in college. You're right. So much. Yeah, yeah. What was your first? Uh, what was your first one? Your first C.S. Lewis book. Uh, mere Christianity. But the first one that I really read and like dived into um ignore the first text that i I sent to you um what the hell is that that's i know it's it's a work email (laughs) it's the the second one i sent is uh is um the question question. i found it okay that was a weird uh it was a weird stutter there okay um the first one that really captivated me in a way where, like, the entire thing, I was like, I am just, in, I am enthralled with this, was The Great Divorce. And sometime early on or midway through fall semester of my freshman year, I read it in one sitting. And I, it was the first time I'd ever done that with a book. And I was just like, this is, this is the absolute, this is incredible. I just still, it just blew me away. Yeah, my first introduction to C.S. Lewis was, I'll never forget this, actually. It was really weird. I went across the street to my, when I was living in Oklahoma, I was probably 9 or 10, and my neighbor was doing a project. No, I was probably younger than that. He was doing a project for a book called The Silver Chair. And I remember looking at it, and he had to draw on a big poster board the cover of the book. And I remember seeing those C.S. Lewis books, those white covers with the you know, painted uh, the portrait of each of the each of the titles, and I remember looking at that being like, "What is that about?" And, oh, this guy and his thing. And, Wait, have you ever heard of the Chronicles of Narnia? And I was like, "No." And it was like, I, I just that memory is so crisp to me because I felt ashamed that I didn't know what it was, and like everyone, it seemed like knew what it was. So then I read 
the screw or the uh, the screw tape letters. And then I read when I was probably in sixth grade, sixth grade, the uh, what's it called? Um, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And I was like, wait, what? And then I read them all, and I was lost. When I was in a sophomore in high school, I read Mere Christianity, the Screw Tape Letters, and The Great Divorce, and uh, probably didn't understand Mere Christianity as much as I pretended. Yeah, but the, same. The same. Great Divorce was holy crap. And then in college, I read Till We Have. Fa- I read pretty much all the rest, like Abolition of Man, Way to Glory, Till We Have Faces. Me and my wife read together when we were um, when we were dating, and uh, she just picked it up again the other day. I love that book too. Have you ever read that? Till we have faces. No, it's actually on my list because it was the name of um, one of my favorite emo albums from two thousand and one. Uh, it's rough. It's rough. It's a it's a it's a hard go if you don't. I mean, I love it. It's not it's not like incredibly difficult. It's just like if you don't know the myth of Cupid and Psyche, you got to like start there. And yeah, understand that, that makes sense. I um I remember as a kid actually my first encounter was really when my, I was at my dad's parents' house at my grandparents for a, a couple of weeks and I and they had them and I read them and I'm like oh this is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I think what makes him so powerful is, and I don't, I haven't, I, I, I will admit, I have not read a lot of his stuff recently, but I, I, I read screwed tape, I read screwed tape letters when I was going through some stuff in 2005 <laughs> and, um, take a guess what? And, uh, it was really powerful. And I think what he had and what he, I, I, w- I would assume he probably still has now is this ability to write from the standpoint of he's not explaining he's not explaining modern problems per se, but he understands like what's going on underneath everything. So when you have someone like I think um, Ratzinger and um and Balthasar, they tend to explain what's going on and um like what that means for our for our um, uh, faith, where someone I'm like C.S. Lewis doesn't do that, but he writes from that point of view and then explains why things are the way that they are and how we can respond to them. And it's why I think one way that I think I, I think she did a great job when um, she talked about how um, his writing makes like it's all um, a common sense. It's because he's he understands what we are going through and he's speaking from that point of view. Yeah. He's so well grounded in people. Yes. Right? Yes. He knows yes. how to exactly. talk to people. And it's a thing where I wonder will some of his stuff actually um, last over the next couple of hundred years? Because I would be curious to see what happens. Because if is it and I don't think um, this is a bad thing that he's is he good at talking to people of twentieth and early twenty first almost the century um the like sorry people who are like in the West in the twenty or twenty first um, century who understand these things with this point of view where he is coming from. I think um, Chronicles of Narnia will probably be a timeless classic because it's just so good. Yeah, but cool. Okay. Yeah, they're trying to unseat it with his dark materials, but it'll never happen. God is my witness. Really? What's his dark materials? Oh uh, well, now it's an HBO Max show uh, series. Uh, they I tried to do. Huh? I said I can already tell where this is going. Yeah, well, I mean, His Dark Materials is a series that was written by an explicitly atheist author author trying to dethrone Christianity and especially the Chronicles of Narnia from British curriculums. So his whole thing, like the enemy is called the Magisterium, and it's essentially like a God the Father is the villain, basically. And it's interesting, and they made a, there was a movie about it. I think Michelle Pfeiffer and Robert De Niro were in it. 
Um, I just remember polar bears and gold, oh, gold yeah. armor and black armor. Yeah, that was yeah. that. Yeah, his dark material. The, like, golden, the compass. golden compass. Was the, I was about to say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, his dark materials. I think is the name of the series. Yeah, I really want to thank everyone on our Patreon page. Um, like ninety responses. This is incredible. We'll probably try to come back to this because we didn't even get to a quarter of this. Uh, thank you yeah. guys. This is actually kind of a cool, profound moment to have this many. These are really, really good questions too. Okay. So, um, and Gomer's at a Gomer's is running. We love you, Mrs. Carey. Bless you for having raised Luke and by extension Gomer. <laughs> Did you just hear that? So you can leave I messages. Said, it said I had a message, so I hit it. <laughs> Why would you do that while you were talking to me? Because I, I thought it was going to be a text, but it was actual a voice message. <laughs> But that's very nice of you, whoever that was. <laughs> You're just hitting buttons. You can end the whole show. This is too much for, I'm going to be 65. This is too much. No, you're great, Mom. The people are loving this. I think we might have another one. Hold on She's a second. better at this than I am. You should just hire her. So that's Kate. Kate's the one who helps us. She was, I was talking to her oh. before. And then I, cause I, so before you called me, I had said, I guarantee you my mom's going to have a hard time with this. And, and like, you're right. 30 <laughs> seconds later, you called me. I'm like, why is she calling me? So I'm like, well, <laughs> and I knew if I answered, I would, have add, I added, I would add you on to the show. So, okay. <laughs> so now mom, you're it. This is, this is your time. The time has come. Oh, this is my time. Okay. Peace and love. Jesus saves. That's fine. Okay, we have another message really quick. I'm going to Mrs. Carrie, what are some funny stories from when Luke was a baby? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So many. How much time do you have? In second grade, he pushed his arm through a back door that had windows. I don't understand really why he because, did that when he knew there were windows there. Because, he, okay, okay, because I used to just, I think the door would sometimes open if you would just like push on it. Oh, okay. and I wouldn't use the handle, so I would just like either it wasn't shut all the, all the way, or it was kind of loose or loose or something. So I would okay. always just push the window because you know, you know me, I'm going to do like the easiest, easiest thing possible. That's true. He he never really liked doing things for himself. Even as a baby, <laughs> everything had to be done for him. You know, trying to get him to feed himself was a chore because you know he wanted us to do it. Um, getting himself dressed. Oh my goodness! I don't. I was worried that he. I was going to have to dress him clear up through high school. He would, but you know. Um, that makes me sound like. <laughs> but you were Thanks, a sweet Mom. boy. At, but you were a sweet boy at the same time. Very loud. I don't know if you guys can imagine if if the audience can imagine you being loud. But you were loud. 